really the last 12 years have been incredible in the stock market. And so dumb luck has served people who are aggressive and have that greed factor built into them well. But that is something that will not continue in the future. And if you're willing to bet your retirement assets on dumb luck, I'm sorry. Risk scores? We don't need no stinking risk scores. <laughs> Turns out you do, my friend. In episode seven, Josh talked about market risks for retirees. He briefly touched on risk scores. Well, today in episode eight, Josh takes a deep dive into risk scores. What are they? How do you get a risk score? And most importantly, what should you do with a risk score once you get it? Join us as we discuss how trying sushi for the first time relates to retirees and their risk scores. Huh? Don't worry, it's my story to tell and it's Josh's job to connect the dots. This is the Retirement Equals Freedom Podcast. Your host, Josh Brettel, is the owner and founder of FSR Wealth Strategies in Elmhurst, Illinois. For the last 20 years or so, he's been helping people just like you thrive in their retirement. And me, I'm Dave, the co-host and Josh's longtime friend and financial project. I'm here to keep the show lighthearted and conversational. I won't let Josh bore you with too much technical jargon. And with that, that me, that you, that me, end this introduction so you can enjoy the show. FSR Wealth Management is a registered investment advisor located in Elmhurst, Illinois. Information and opinions contained in this audio have been arrived at by FSR Wealth Advisors. All information herein is for informational purposes and should not be construed as investment advice. It does not constitute an offer, solicitation, or recommendation to purchase any security. FSR is not providing legal, tax, accounting, or financial planning advice in this audio. These views are as of the date of this publication and are subject to change. We're live recording from the brand new podcast studio, headquarters, FSR Wealth Strategies, Elmhurst, Illinois. Josh, this is a new studio. We sound so professional. Well, my mother has started listening to us and we've doubled our subscriber count. We're up to five. And you know, the magic number was five when you're like, you know what? Five subscribers, time to invest some money in equipment. (laughs) You know... Our interaction is such silky smooth. Mm-hmm. Um, we said we should probably be in the same room with each other. And uh, we uh, we tried this whole video podcast, and we had this really smooth video stuff. And you, sure. were, you were developing graphics and sure. all sorts of cool stuff. And um, to date, we have yet to put anything out <laughs> where people could actually see it. So all those references yeah. to videos were like, you know what? It's our our smooth silky voices that people really want to hear. Yeah. I, I think, I think you're right. You know, I, I do, I do want to get back to videos though, Josh. And so me being under these bright fluorescent, whatever lights, I'm very uncomfortable. I may be sweating. Um, but, um, at least you get to see my t-shirts in person and you get to <laughs> smell. Well, this is not commentary coffee. I'm drinking, by the way, this is regular old K cups. Lame. But in the future, you'll be able to smell them. <laughs> so you can slurp the coffee right into the <laughs> microphone. <laughs> you know, in Japan, that's considered etiquette. Did you really? know that? No. Not necessarily coffee, but you're supposed to slurp your soup. That means like compliments to the chef. 
You know, I was looking at our podcast stats the other day, yeah. and you can see where people are listening, and that we actually have a Japanese listener, one. Yeah. So to that one person, whoever you may be, mm-hmm. Dave is, you know, you can thank him for, yes. for that. I love your culture. Have you ever been there? You've ever been there, have you? I have left the country twice, and that is to Mexico. Both Missy and I, Japan is high on our list of places we really want to go visit. So I thought she visited Japan when she was working for Uline. No, she did a, a lot of Asia, but she never, Japan was not part of that. Okay. So it's on our list. On the bucket list. We're going to jingle out everything here in this show. So I want to let you know, Josh, this is episode eight. And when we were toying with the idea of building a podcast, on my research, during my research, I found out that most podcasts stop after episode seven and never pick up again. So there's something like 2 million active podcasts now, but for the other, I think like 8 million that have started and failed, they stop after episode seven. So the fact that we're on episode eight means that we are going to be famous. Um, According to my kids, that's anybody that like more than 10 people knows who you are because when (laughs) Uh, we've been listening to the podcast in the car as we drive to and from baseball. And um, my kids think this is the coolest thing ever. And they want to be on our podcast because then they can be famous. And I said, well, that's not always all it's cracked up to be, buddy. <laughs> yeah, we've had this conversation, too, I think, on a previous podcast. Landon, my son, wants to start a podcast, too. And I know you, your kids have a very distinct ideas on what to, to, to talk about. And he wants to talk about himself. Oh, and, he is your son. Yes. Oh, yeah. And then um, my idea was maybe every Tuesday we do a recap of the, the football weekend because he loves football and stats. I said, that could be something maybe. Yeah. I don't know. My kids don't even know what a football is, so <laughs> I don't think they'd be on the same podcast. So uh, No, but they're awesome. Yeah, they are awesome. They're fun. Actually, Dave, um, I'm going to ask you to tell a story here in a second, but um, when Dave and I were in high school – in college and post-college, which makes us even dorkier. One of our favorite things to do on a weeknight or a night we were hanging out was to go play laser tag. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Today, this afternoon, after we record this, is my my son's eighth-year-old birthday party with Mm -hmm. their friends, and it is at a laser tag arena. I am hoping so bad that I get to play with them. What do you mean, hoping? Well, it's kind of, a, I don't know how many lasers they have and stuff like that. So we've, we've kind of maxed out the kids already. So, you know, mm. see, if a kid gets hurt, though, I'm in. <laughs> you and I would parent very differently. I would be like, uh, sorry, kid, you're out. I'm in. And I would go <laughs> dominate inside that arena. <laughs> I mean, remember, what was, what was it? Episode uh, five, you need a budget, I think, right? Part of your budget was my laser tag expense. Yeah. In high school. Yeah. But it was worth it because then I got to play with you. Yeah, absolutely. I think I only set the budget like 50 bucks a month. It should, it should be more than that. <laughs> Today's dollars, that's, yeah, uh, right, that's yeah. quite a bit. Um, I feel like you're like so comfortable and I'm like here stiff as a board trying to keep my mouth. Because you have you have clearly mocked me in the past for eating my microphone. So I want to make sure I'm like super proper into this new microphone. You look good. Oh, thanks, Josh. I appreciate that. I mean. We'll never put this out in video anyway, yeah, so that's it doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but Dave, today I wanted to follow up to episode seven. You know, episode seven, um, we actually recorded it a while ago, so we were at risk of being one of those seven-episode mm. podcasts mm-hmm. that never went anywhere. But episode seven, we talked about risk and fear and greed, 
And more than once, I mentioned risk score and scoring and things like that. So um, I wanted to follow up on risk score. You and I played high school basketball together, our glory days. By the way, when I was young, my father used to talk about playing high school football. And he used to talk about all the touchdowns he scored at Riverside Brookfield High School. And every time we'd go to Brookfield Zoo, he'd point out this is where he scored so many touchdowns. I don't know what it might be. And we all roll our eyes and go, oh, my God, Dad. Mm -hmm. um, Dave, I think you and I are becoming those people. <laughs> so <laughs> The difference, though, Josh, is, as you know, I have not really escaped that decade of our life. So You are kind of trapped in the 90s. <laughs> yes, I am. Good thing it's coming back. I, I, have, no, I have no qualms with that. Sorry. So. Um, but you and I played high school basketball mm -hmm. together and you were a year older. So your senior year, my junior year, and we were both on the team together. And in the first three games, their coach played like seven people. And I was one of those seven people. And I got some good playing time. Remember that. Sure. And I don't remember who we were playing. You probably do. But it was one point that after the first quarter, I was the leading scorer and the leading rebounder, and I never played again the rest of the season. I don't know what happened. What? I got like a minute a game after that. So. Oh, my gosh. Was it Hersey? I do remember that. Was it the game where I got mad at you because you didn't acknowledge my assist? It probably was. Because <laughs> you and I were really on the floor together because we kind of kind of played same similar positions. And I'm like, who does this kid think he is? I just gave him a basket that I could have shot myself. You did. You did. <laughs> I um, I remember statistics in high school. We didn't have them. I mean, we had stat keepers, but we never got to see the statistics other than the score. And I remember you in your head would keep unbelievable stats. Mm -hmm. No, that's that's a fact. Uh, a, a couple theories on this. Well, one, our coach Jim Prunty would not show us the stat sheet after the game. You know, all this blah, 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 mushy stuff about it's not important about stats. It's about, you know, how the team plays. Well, no, not for me. It was all about stats. And this goes back to me. Uh, when I was growing up, I would play basketball by myself in my room with, like, either a homemade Nerf set or something. And I would keep legendary stats for entire teams and leagues. I'd make up, like, 50 names of people that I was playing against. And I'd keep, like, detailed stats about rebounds, points, assists, blocks, everything. It was insane i went through notebook after notebook didn't you do this on like street like playground basketball we sure too? did oh, me and mark thomas and our buddies that we played with we did we had our own little own little league and competition i awarded mvps and everything i always won mvp because i would run the league um but so i carried over to high school and I, after each game the first thing i do i'd run home before i even shower or we showered at the games but i would open my notebook and write down my my stats and i'm like i'm awesome like I outscored Mike Knee once again. Like I am just the best player. It was important, man. Um, we always made fun of you. Like we'd go out for dinner, and we like after the game, game's over. I mean, we didn't really care that much. And after the game, we'd be talking about whatever the movies, yeah. dates, whatever it might be. And sure. Dave would be like, "Well, in the first three minutes, I had six points and three rebounds, and <laughs> da -da -da -da. and we're like Dave, seriously, like." Stop. You're not wrong. I think part of it too, Josh, is not to go on a tangent. Um, nobody knows Vince Luca, but Vince Luca knows Vince Luca. And it was a competition with him and I because he claimed every basket I would score is a result of him being a decoy because he claimed that defenses would only focus on him. So I was always wide open and always have easy shots. So I had to like be like, Vince, I scored more than you again. So 
Well, <laughs> up until the Vince Lucas story, I was really looking forward to how I was going to shape this all into a talk on risk score. How'd I do? Did I totally mess you, you up? Know, the, the Vince Luca story has nothing to do with it, but it's a great story. <laughs> and I kind of miss Vince. Yeah. But um, tracking of statistics is actually important, um, especially when it comes towards retirement. And uh, we have a good client. His name is John. Um, John worked in quality and uh, for his entire career you know, with some big companies and he's helped us do some coaching inside of our office and he's big on regards. He always says, you can't control what you can't measure. Mm. You can't fix what you can't measure. So measuring things is always really important. And we talk about that with clients. And when we talk about is measuring risk and when most people sit down and talk about risk. There's three buckets they're trying to put a client into. And this is, this has always bothered me um, because it's been very subjective and, and the sec and, and FINRA who are our governing bodies, they, they want you to put people in these buckets. Those buckets are conservative, moderate, and aggressive. Mm. So they're trying to determine is someone's risk tolerance conservative, moderate, or aggressive. And if we get really fancy, we could go moderately conservative or moderately aggressive. Ooh, um, intense. And actually every client has to have a, a sheet filled out that they sign that we have a checkbox, conservative, moderate, or aggressive. Oh, they have to sign off. on. Oh yeah. I oh. mean, it's, it's, but ask any client to define moderate, conservative, aggressive or aggressive, and they don't have a definition. And in their mind, if you ask a client, are you conservative? Are you moderate? You know, how do you feel? And that's all well and good, but one client's definition of conservative, one client's definition of moderate is going to be completely different from the others. And heck one advisors, you know, there's, there's five advisors here in the office. My definition of moderate might be different than Sean's or Aaron's or my father's. And that's a problem. What's subjective. Yeah, it's completely subjective. And, you know, as we're trying to measure stuff and we're talking about someone's money, the difference between truly being conservative and truly being moderate could mean hundreds of thousands of dollars to them when we go through times like we've been going through right now. I mean, when the market's going well and the market's going up, no one just no one cares. Everyone mm-hmm. wants to be as aggressive as possible. But it's times like we're seeing right now when the market's actually down um, significantly that – this matters. This sure. matters immensely. Sure. So what we value is something we call a risk score. And you heard me mention the last episode, risk scoring. Mm-hmm. And it's a program that we've been using for years now um, called Riskalyze. Riskalyze develops a score from 1 to 99. It's kind of like a speed limit. Okay, There's no right or wrong score, but one is someone who never wants to lose a single penny. Like They don't care if they earn anything. And there's wow. people like that. Yeah. And they just... They hate losing. Sure. Um, and there's people who are 99s. And 99s probably put all their money in Bitcoin and you know, like to go to Las Vegas. And they just love that thrill of money going up and money going down. Mm, yikes. So Gamblers. And the theory about a risk score is if you're a 50, you're the same as every other 50. If you're a, a 40, you're a 40. I mean, there's, there's no right or wrong answer, but it, we take the subjectivity out of it. Okay. Does that make sense? So Riskalyze can take the subjectivity out of it. Yes. Riskalyze can take the subjectivity out of it, and it's something that um, can carry across. So no matter who they're mm. talking to um, in our office, no matter, you know, they can know what their risk level is. And it it looks back historically, and, you know, you, you can see what historical markets have done and things along those lines. But 
um, it's sometimes eye-opening to a client to actually for them to see how risky they are. You know, yeah. Do clients have to like? I'd imagine answer questions honestly, correct, to get a true score instead of like. I know you mentioned before when someone sits down with you, they are essentially getting naked, financially getting naked because they have to tell you so much information. So I'd imagine the more honest they are, obviously, the better score. Yeah. So how do you get a score? There's there's two ways that we do it. And one can be generic. And we can always so we can always show a client what the score means. And that's really what it does, because it's how that score feels internally. We always tell a client like it's what you have to know what the score means. You have to look and see how does it apply to your to your assets. But um, there's two ways to get a score. And the first is really generic. Um, the first is something we call the rule of 100. Mm. And the way the rule of 100 works is you take your age and you subtract it from 100. So, Dave, you're in your early 40s. Tomorrow, you, can, you can say it. Tomorrow's my birthday. Tomorrow is Dave's birthday. And quick aside, back when Dave was... Were you married yet, or was this before you were married? No, this is this is like circa two thousand one. We were not married yet. We weren't married yet. Um, Dave and I am were out, and his now wife was with us, and um, she says, "Well, I can't wait to celebrate Dave's birthday on June 5th. Mm-hmm. And Dave and I looked at each other, and we went, and "I've kind of felt stupid." I was like, <laughs> "Dave, I thought your birthday was June 4th. and he's like. Yep, it is June 4th. It sure is. And she argued. She goes, no, it's the 5th. So every year on June 5th, I send Dave and his wife a happy birthday text. Um, It's true. I guess if you're still stuck in your glory days of high school, I still find jokes from 2001 funny. But here's, here's how we know who's stuck. Do you remember where we were? No, not a clue. California Pizza Kitchen. Of course we were. Sitting by the back window. Of course we were. And that was our spot. Here so, I go again. So tomorrow you turn 42. I do. And so if I took Dave's age, subtract him from 100, 100 minus 42 puts me at 58. So according to the rule of 100, your risk score would be a 58. And what does that do? Well, that means the older you get, the lower your risk score becomes. So someone who's 70s risk scores a 30, someone who's 20s risk scores an 80. Yep. Makes sense? Sure. Mm-hmm. And it's a basic because that's just a general rule of thumb. Um, but it's, it's often a good starting point with somebody. So it's often a way to, to start the conversation. Because, you know, at 42 years old, it doesn't mean you're truly a 58. You could be more aggressive. You could mean, hey, I really want to take a lot more risk. And a lot of people in their 40s are. Yeah. Um, and it could mean someone who's in their 60s, hey, you're not really a 35. You're actually a 25. Mm-hmm. There's no right or wrong answer, but it's a good starting point okay. um, for someone to get to. So, and the other way to do it is with a really quick quiz. And what we do is um, we put your asset value, you know, whatever your total asset value is, into the system. And we can ask a question. It's kind of like going to the eye doctor. You know, it's, we ask A or B, B right. or C, and it takes about two minutes. Um, and at the end, it will pop out a risk score. And you can see, you know, does this make sense? Does this not make sense? So that is a um, a more accurate way to do it. But not everyone likes the quiz. Some people really, they they fall in love with that rule of 100. And we can, we can really work with that. How long are these quizzes? Is it like high school history quiz where I just lost interest and hid in the bathroom for a while? Scantrons. Oh, yeah. Um, no, it is not like that. In fact, I have set up a special page in our website, um, 
If you actually, it's fsrwealth.com slash risk score. Uh, Wait, can you, I'd like you to rewind. Uh, who, who's going to set up, who set up this page? Well, you, you would, but I requested oh. that you do oh, this. Okay. So there will be a page on our website, fsrwealth.com slash risk score. And you can actually take this quiz. Cool. The quiz takes all of about three minutes. Um, it's really easy. It's not, they're not asking you to, you know, to know anything. It's more just trying to make a decision emotionally how things are, are playing out there. Can we run a contest? You want to run a contest? I think the first 18 people that live locally to take this test can come in for a free pudding cake. Deal. They're sold deal. in 18 packs. It's a deal. I All love right. it. All right. I'm going to put that on the landing page. It's is just... it really sold in 18 packs or is it sold in 20 and you're just keeping two for yourself? <laughs> That's for me to know and for you to find out. <laughs> I'm doing it. You can come into the office for a pudding cake. <laughs> <laughs> That's a deal. <laughs> All right. I, I like it. Uh, FSRwealth.com backslash risk score. And I will put this in the description of the episode as well. Yeah. I, I, and I encourage anyone, if you have not taken this risk score, it's worth, it's worth doing. Um, and if you just want to see what your rule of 100 looks like, you know, I believe we can do that there too. So, um, once they, once they, uh, once they do this though, what are they going to do with that, that number? They're going to do with that risk score. Ooh, what do you do with the risk score? Mm. This is kind of step one of the whole process is knowing what your risk score is. Okay. Um, step two is to know where you sit now. So what does that mean? Um, that means that you have to look at where your assets sit. So um, you can, and if you want to do this, you know, after you find out what your risk score is, we'd be happy to, to show anyone what your um, what your assets currently are. So if you come in and you find out your risk score is a 30, then you need to find out what are your assets at now. And um, if your assets are sitting at a 30, great. Um, okay. That's kind of step one. But the next one, maybe you're coming in and your comfort level is a 30 and your assets are at a 70. We see that all the time. Oh, wow. And it's truly disturbing to a lot of people. So and especially over the last, what's happened the last few years, the last few years, the market has been so on fire that people's risk has just crept up and crept up and crept up and crept up. And it's felt good. They've liked seeing their accounts go up. They've liked seeing all these things, you know, all this good stuff happen. But the um, the risk has gotten out of whack. And they haven't taken money off of the table. Um, and that could really impact the retirement. So you have to know where you find out what your risk score is and then find out what what risk score your assets at? Sure. Now, you in, in episode seven, we talked about you know greed and fear. So I hear you talking how people's risk is going up and up and up. Is that intentional? Are they getting greedy now because the market is doing so well? Well, greed and fear is the natural tendency. So what the risk score is trying to do is it's trying to take greed and fear out of the equation as much as possible. Mm. And so um, it's leveling out, trying to be honest with what your greed or fear level is. So what the risk score does is makes you, you know, it tries to make you honest with yourself, tries to take that greed and that fear out of the equation, or at least understand where it fits into the equation so that you're making decisions less with your emotions and more with, more with your head. And yeah. so the reason we, back to your question, why people kind of got out of whack. Yeah. The greed and fear are part of it is because they haven't had this risk score. They haven't had this, um, knowledge of where they sit. And for a lot of people over the last 10 years, that's probably served them well because 
of luck. I mean, right. The last 10 years, last really the last 12 years have been incredible in the stock market. And so dumb luck has served people who are aggressive and you know, have that greed factor built into them. Well, well, dumb luck and insider trading, but mostly, <laughs> mostly dumb luck, but it's, that is a, um, something that will not continue in the future. And if you're willing to bet your retirement assets on dumb luck, I'm sorry. Mm. Yeah. You're sorry as in not much you can do to help. Yeah. Kind of, kind of in those, in those ways. So we tell everyone is, you know, now is the time, especially as we're seeing a volatile market, you need to understand where your risk score, what your risk score is and where your assets sit in a risk comfort level. Mm -hmm. And from there you can take action. Okay. And that action may be hold the course. That may action may be know what to spend, where to spend it. That may be Roth conversions. There's all sorts of things that you can do, but you have to know those two things first. That's fair. Dave relates to retirees. Oh, thank God that got to yeah. be used again. It's time. It's time. You have something? I, I mean, do. You're going to relate to this. Yes. This is a total whim, but you said something. Risk for me and Josh. Look, he mentioned earlier how if, if someone's just not willing to like look at their risk number or use logic, then Josh can't do much for them, right? There was a time, maybe 10 years ago, where you're like, Dave, I want to introduce you to sushi. And I'm like, oh, that is a huge risk. <laughs> huge risk, Josh. I don't know if there's any reward that is great enough for this risk. He goes, Dave, trust me. I've never led you astray. I've always bought you good food. Let's try sushi. I'm like, okay, Josh, I trust you. Let's go. So Josh proceeded to take me to Sushi Nest on York Road in Elmhurst. Sushinest.com. sushi in Elmhurst. Great. Yeah, probably the best sushi. Do you think they'll sponsor our show? No. Okay. Um, and Josh proceeds to order me a plate of sashimi. And here I am eating, you know, forcing strips of raw fish down my throat. And I'm thinking this, this was not worth the risk. This is absolutely atrocious. I'm going to go vomit. After we left, I said, I don't see the appeal in this. Josh says, oh, maybe next time I'll have you try some sushi rolls. I said, okay, next time we come back, still risky. We try some sushi rolls, and it has changed my life for the better. If I wasn't willing, <laughs> if I wasn't willing to reanalyze my risk score of going to Sushi Nest, I would never know what sushi rolls taste like. And with that, that was my Dave relates to retirees. Take it away, Josh. Oh, man, sometimes we like to stretch the stories <laughs> to try and get them to tie in. And I don't know. I don't know if that one. I mean, how we measured risk in the sushi was, I mean, I think you were willing to go anywhere I was going to buy you lunch. <laughs> okay, that is factual. But you just gave away the spoiler. Yes, I'll go anywhere for free food. But you have to admit, staring at a plate of raw fish for the first time, there's a lot of risk in eating that. Yeah, there is. There's a lot, and there's a lot of trust <laughs> that you place in me and that restaurant. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> and now, see, hey, you're seven for seven so far with like taking my random stories and tying it back into the topic at hand. Are you able to this time, Josh? Well, let's see what we can do here, and we're gonna take Dave's sushi risk that he took and we're going to tie it back into knowing where you sit mm. and um 
Dave knew he wanted to expand his palate and he knew what his level of comfort was. And so uh, he trusted me to, to guide him down that path. And uh, for a retiree, the first step that they need to figure out is what is their comfort? Mm. And that's where the risk score comes in. So raw strips of sushi and risk score. Yeah. I mean, okay. your comfort was raw strips of sushi. And that was not for my so, comfort. For, well, it, it turned out to be. But yeah. for some people, their comfort may be, I won't eat anything but a burger. I mm. mean, my kids' comfort is grilled cheese and chicken nuggets. God, it's delicious. Yeah. So um, you have to understand where that where that level comes into play. And um, then from there, kind of know where you sit. So yeah. Um, I'm struggling to tie this one back together, but no, I think you did. I think you did it just fine. I'm going to take it here and kind of, kind of wrap it up here. As we talk about risk scores, we talked about in the last episode, you know, a couple key points. First is don't be that person who just thinks conservative, moderate, aggressive, because it's, it's almost a meaningless term. Mm -hmm. Um, understand what your risk score is. So figure out what your risk score is, be it the rule of 100, be it using a quiz of some sort. And again, on our website, fsrwealth.com slash risk score. Um, you can take a free quiz. doesn't cost you anything to do that. And um, after you know what your number is, then find out where you sit today. That's step two. Know what your number is, find out where you sit today. Yep. And you can't do anything until you know those two things. Okay. Do you think those things would be easier discussed over sushi? Like, should and I go now for lunch and talk about these things while we have sushi? It is your birthday weekend. <gasps> it is. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast has made me realize how much food I've bought you in my life. Yeah, shoot. I probably shouldn't be bringing this up. <laughs> God. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I mean, I think, look, I can't stop thinking about giving away pudding cakes. And, and more or less because we're finally going to force ourselves to make that purchase on marketday.com for pudding cakes. Um, the first person who uh, who gets it, Dave's me ultra excited. He may drive to your house himself with a pudding cake and, yes. and well, drop it off. However, gas is five fifty five a gallon, so unless you live within three-block radius, I won't be dropping <laughs> it off. <laughs> you can come in for your free $2 pudding cake. <laughs> Just saying. Oh, the risk of... The risk of... Uh, Getting a pudding cake. Yeah. Maybe there's risk in taking the risk score. I mean, I don't know. Well, that doesn't make any sense. It's, uh, it is actually a fun topic once you understand it and and gives you a lot of power and a lot of control. So, um, with that, Dave, it feels good to get episode eight in. And we're amongst the top two million podcasts now who actually made it past episode seven. I have always longed to be in the top two million of something. Should I keep track of this? Like every episode we record, see like how we move up and up and up the scale. I don't even know where you find that data. I can make it up. <laughs> no one knows. It's like conservative, moderate, aggressive. No yeah. one actually knows. 100%. <laughs> we'll be right up there with like NPR's podcast pretty soon. Oh, yeah. I, I've got to be. We are right next to This American Life. Oh, yeah. I know. Ira Glass and I, we've been, we've been kind of sharing notes on how to <laughs> produce a podcast. And he's learned quite a few things from me. All right, David. Well, happy birthday, my friend. Thanks, Joshua. Um, Thanks for setting up the new studio. And again, we'll sign off by saying fsrwealth.com slash risk score for your free risk score. And until next time, bye. bye. We did it. 
Yeah.